I want to just say straight out from the beginning, this topic for this morning is really, I'm, I'm preaching more at myself this morning. So not being critical of anybody, I'm being critical of myself. Let's just cover something quickly. A human being, according to the Bible, exists out of three things. How we package them together, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to give you my theory and my understanding based on the verses that I read. First of all, there's the spirit. I'll start with the spirit. That's the green part of that circle over there. That is, I would say that's the breath of God. For example, God creates Adam. He's uh, lying on the ground. He's made him out of dust. The body is lying there. And then God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. It's what makes your body alive. The spirit makes your body alive. This is my understanding. And the reason why I call the spirit that is because we read in the book of Ecclesiastes that animals have spirit too. Animal has spirit too. So what's the difference between an animal and a human? I believe the difference between an, an animal and a human is that a human has soul. So just hear me out. Spirit is that part. It's God's energy that keeps the body alive. When you die, spirit and body separate. Okay, so you can go think about that. But then there's the soul. That's the red dot over there. That's the center of everything. That's the most valuable part of yourself. Jesus says, what does it help you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Jesus says your soul is more valuable than all wealth, than even the entire planet. It's the most valuable thing in your life. It's the eternal you. It is you when you are stripped off the flesh. When this is no longer there, the soul remains. Now, 99% of Christianity, of preaching, of teaching, is about the spiritual life, right? It's about the soul, right? That's, that's why we are here. We are here because we want our spiritual lives, our souls, to be saved by Christ. Our eternal being. The, the, the truth is that this body that you have and these fingerprints and, and, and the beautiful eyes that you have, it's, it's, I, I don't want to be ugly. It's going to rot and worms are going to eat it. But the soul will remain forever. We are here because we want to change our insides. We want to reform our emotional well-being, our psychological well-being, our spiritual well-being. And because of this, what often happens is, the body is left by the wayside. The body doesn't matter. The body is insignificant. The body is not important. I'll be honest with you. I've never heard a sermon preached on what I'm going to preach about today. The body. Your physical body that you carried with you here this morning. That thing. Sometimes you like it. Sometimes you don't. The body is made up of dust. And it will return to dust. As I said, the worms will chow it. It's unimportant. Paul calls the body a tent. At, a, at another text, he calls it a, a jar of clay, a clay jar. I heard a lady speak this week and she calls her body an earth vessel or a mobile home. There's some ugly mobile homes in Oregon, eh? <laughs> we, use, we use these bodies for just a time for the soul to live in like a mobile home. And then we die, and the flesh, this thing, this mobile home, this earth vessel, this jar of clay, this tent goes into the ground, and it's like nothing. But the Bible says, from that, 
it will be resurrected. So this, this body of mine will be resurrected into an eternal being, a different form. And you can go study that 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it, transformed into a, it transforms into a new body, a heavenly body, an eternal body. So my body is planted into the ground when I die, but it's raised on the judgment or the great return of Christ into something spectacular. And, and Paul says it's like a seed that's planted into the ground. You take a small ugly seed, put it in the ground, it's going to be raised a massive tree. I don't know what our body's going to be like, but that's what the Bible says. But based on all of this theology and what we know about the body, it seems like the body is unimportant, isn't it? It's going to die. It's going to rot. It's in any way absolutely useless. It serves a purpose for a time, but then it's, it's nothing because it's not eternal. So the question this morning I want to ask, well, oh, I forgot to, to share this with you. Just based on what we're saying and based on two weeks ago's lesson about the resurrection and whatever. I, I came across this this week and I thought it's just incredible. This lady died. She was dead for 27 minutes. You can go read up on it. It's, it's, it's hit some of the major news headlines. She was dead for 20, 27 minutes. And when she came alive, she had like a, a breathing tube in. She couldn't speak. And, but, but she, and the first she, her hand went and she said, uh, she basically indicated she wants a pen and paper. And this is what she wrote. Now, it took them a while to figure it out because she wasn't fully there. But the first thing she wanted to do is write down two words. If you look carefully, you'll see it's there. It's real. That's what she wrote this week. And I spoke about this two weeks ago. One of the greatest evidences for the existence of God are people who have died and come back to life again. She goes on to explain what she experienced. She believes that she had met Jesus Christ. Now, how far we can take that, I, I don't know. But I want you to, to know, and just, just to illustrate this again, there's going to come a time when this body will end and the soul will continue. It's real. Here's, here's an example of a person like that. The real question I want to ask this morning is, does God care what you do with your body? This, Guys, this is, <laughs> I cannot believe we don't talk more about this. This is one of the most important questions we've got to deal with. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you why. I, I believe God absolutely does care what you do with your body. Why? Because your soul has to live in it. Your soul has to live in it. The dog sleeps in the kennel. The dog is more important than the kennel, right? Yes. But the kennel is important. If you love the dog, because if you love the dog, you want the dog to be warm, especially in last week's weather. Makes sense. If you care about your soul, you will take care of your body. If you care about your dog, you will care about the dog's kennel. If you care about your soul, you will make sure you are the master of your body. Your body. I want us to listen carefully. I want us to think about this carefully. Your body can cause the destruction of your soul. Peter says that the desires of his body wages war against his soul. 1 Peter 2 verse 11. Paul says there are parts of his body that wages war against the gospel in his mind. Romans 7.23. Jesus says, Cut all parts of your body if it will cause the destruction of your soul. If your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out, Jesus says. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, Jesus says. Why? Because your body can literally 
cause you the destruction of your soul. And you can go back right to the beginning. Remember Genesis, book of the beginnings. You want to know anything about the beginning of anything? Go to Genesis. You want to understand what this, what the, the struggle in life is? Go to Genesis chapter 3. And you go see what's the first challenge on earth. Satan comes. And what does he say to Eve? Look at, look at those fruit, man. The text says that she looked at it. Her eyes saw it. That's the body in action. Oh, that must taste good. The first challenge that a human faced was a bodily challenge. Am I going to say no to that? Because surely that looks good to eat. The body is saying, I want it. The law of God says, don't eat it. That's the battle of life. The body wants it. The law of God says, no, don't eat it. The struggle is real. You know what it feels like when that donut sits in front of you and it says, eat me. I had it this morning. Jason was sated in my life this morning. He brought in like these cinnamon rolls. I was like, don't put it in front of me. Eat it. The body is saying, yes, I want it. The soul is saying, don't eat it. Your body doesn't need it. You know exactly what the battle is about. We have bought into the idea that the only thing that matters is the soul. The body is insignificant. We've got to get our spiritual lives in order. But we don't have to worry about our physical bodies. God doesn't care what I really do with my physical body. The body is nothing. The soul is everything. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just not true. You can't separate them. If you want to separate your soul from your body, go kill yourself. That's the only way you're going to do it. But as long as you have a body, the soul is connected to it. As long as the spirit keeps the body alive, it's connected. You, you, we think it doesn't influence each other. It does. The soul influences the body and the body influences the soul. Let me prove it to you. Two simple scriptures. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's spiritual. It's moral. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I can show you numerous scriptures that when you live a good spiritual moral life, it's healthy to your body. You want to go kill your body, go live in stress. Become greedy, hate people, your body will get ill. So here's my first point. A healthy spiritual life promotes a healthy physical life. But the opposite is also true. Here's another verse for us. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. That's me. I graze on meat. I can do it daily. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. What can you do when you're drowsy? Do you think that drowsiness has a spiritual impact on your life? Of course it does. So an unhealthy physical life promotes an unhealthy spiritual life. I'm just using this as an example, but we can, I mean, we can look at a lot of stuff. So let me start unpacking some things here. This is a crazy text. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20. Flee from sexual immorality, Paul says. Don't know what sexual immorality is? That's sleeping around. It includes homosexuality. It includes things like pornography. It includes all of those things. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. But here's the real crux I want to get at. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with what? Your bodies. He's not saying, he says your body, your physical body. So a few things. First of all, God made your body. Now, that's not in this text, but it's all over the Bible. For example, Psalm 139, 14, the text there says that God formed you in the secret place. He saw your unformed body before it came into the world. God has, therefore, patent rights over your body. It's not yours. He made it. You didn't give your body to yourself. He gave it to you. He made it. Number two, God lives in your body, according to this text. He says it's a temple. It's like God lives in your house with you. Alfreda always says, when we were working with teenagers, especially the young men, she would always say to them, hey, you can't go, you're a Christian now, you can't go to a, a strip club and leave Jesus at the door because he's living in you. So when you take him to those places, you're taking God with you to those places. How does that make you feel? You can't separate God from yourself. Thirdly, God owns your body. The text says that he bought it with his son's blood. And especially in our world today, people say, my body, my choice. Well, if you're not a Christian, you can go ahead and do that. You can say that it's your body. Question, did you give yourself that body or did God make it? But if you're a Christian, you don't have a right to say that because he bought you. The moment that you submitted to Christ, you gave your life to him. That includes your body. So you belong to him. It's not your body. It's his. So your body is God's house. He built it with his own hands. He lives in it with you and he owns it. But here's the crux. He's given you control over it. So Paul, he ends off this text with these beautiful words. And that's really what I wanted to focus on. He says, therefore, honor God with your body. And then the question here is, how do we do that? The Greek word is doxatso, which means to bring praise to God, to magnify God with your body. Like you're sitting here this morning and you have a body, okay? You can touch it. It's there. How do you use this physical thing that you have to magnify God, glorify Him, celebrate Him, make glorious Him, adorn Him with this thing that you have? How do you do that? I've got a few suggestions, three points for this morning. Number one, control it. Let's start there. Control this thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body. It's God's will. And then it says in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Control your body so that it doesn't control you. There is no reason to say, I couldn't help myself. Of course you could help yourself. There's a lot of times I want to use the excuse, I couldn't help myself. But I know I could have. I didn't want to. I wanted this thing to control me. Here's another text, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I want us to pause here. <laughs> Ask yourself honestly. Does your body control you or do you control your body? That's a difficult one. You know what a drug addict is? It's a person that's controlled by his body. 
That's as simple as it is. We all have some form of addiction. Are you mastering that thing? Look at this text, 1 Corinthians 9.27. Paul says, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul knew that if he doesn't control his body, his body's going to take over. So Paul says, I discipline my body. I control it. I enslave my body. It doesn't enslave me. I subdue it. I make it my little slave. I tell it what I'm going to eat. It doesn't tell me what I'm going to eat. I tell my body, you will eat this. I tell my body to exercise. My body doesn't tell me to sit and do nothing. I'm not going to let my body run the show. I'm going to control this thing. Is your body your master or your slave? I, I read this comment about a guy by the name of John Piper. Don't agree with his theology, but this was interesting. He said, the reason why people are unhealthy is because they are enslaved, as simple as it is. They're enslaved to laziness and they're enslaved to food. They eat too much and they exercise too little. They have heart attacks and they get diabetes and God would, would consider that a spiritual issue. Now, this is the reason why we don't preach about this. Because what you do with your body, that's not a spiritual issue. That's generally the perception. Well, my physical body is nothing. It's going to rot in the ground. Worms are going to eat it. It doesn't matter what I do with my body. This, this guy says, well, it's a spiritual issue. Let's see if it's a spiritual issue. Do you remember this beautiful text? Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. In other words, if the Spirit is in my life, I'm going to be a patient and kind and faithful and gentle person, right? Because these are attributes, these are outflows of the Spirit at work within me, the Spirit of God. So if the Holy Spirit lives in me, I'm going to demonstrate these things. Is there one missing? Who'd like to shout it out? Anybody? Self-control. In other words, when I can't control myself, the Spirit is not in charge. It's a spiritual problem. This is serious. And you're going to hear, I'm going to give you good reasons why this is such a serious problem. There's dire consequences for not controlling your body. Spiritual consequences. Let's move on. So the first point, how do you honor God with your body? Number one, control it. Number two, care for it. Care for your body. It's in a different context, but I thought I'll put it in here. Ephesians 5.19, I think it's a beautiful, it's actually 29, sorry about that. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Like Christ feels about his people, so we are supposed to feel about our bodies. Take care of it. That could mean three things. Number one, cleanse it. Clean your body. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, listen to this, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. I want you to let this text sink in. I don't know if you've ever read it like this. The Holy Spirit is telling us that we need to purify ourselves from contaminants. The body, it says the body. Yes, you've got to clean your spirit. You've got to make sure you have pure thoughts, but it tells us to clean the body as well. Purify the body. So I think that includes foods, 
That includes physical things like pain medications that contaminate the liver, the things that we drink that we don't even think about. And this is the difficult thing, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a harsh world for crying in a bucket. Yes, in America is the worst day. You want to get contaminated physically, just go live in America and go eat the donuts that's on the shelves and stuff. It's crazy. And this makes it so, so hard. And perhaps this isn't, honestly, this isn't a, let's go green and eat grass the whole day talk. But there may be something to fasting. Jesus did it. That's times where we can cleanse our bodies, go on a water diet. And and you're going to get reasons as to why I'm pushing on this for today. Okay. So first of all, cleanse it. There's a biblical mandate for that. Number two, feed it. Hopefully you do do that. I think we, we do do that, but we overdo it a little bit, wouldn't you say? I definitely do. Yes. Chocolates. Oh, I just smash it. Give it what is good. What makes it strong. I heard these quotes this week. If it comes from a plant, eat it. If it is made in a plant, don't eat it. Do you get that one? How much stuff do we buy that comes from a plant? It's crazy. Food has a long shelf life that gives us a short shelf life. And the point of that thing was just like, like look for fresh stuff that God actually made. Because they add so much. I remember the first time I came to America, 2007. The, the one thing that I just wanted was fresh bread. I couldn't handle the fact. And, and then, so, so we bought bread and it was like three weeks, like on the shelf and it never molded. In South Africa, you got a bread for three days, it's green. And then I, 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 I realized this is like half of this bread is like contaminants I'm putting in my body. This, this long shelf stuff. They, that's why they don't make fresh bread because it's too much work maybe or because it's going to rot and they're going to lose money or, or whatever. So they put stuff into the bread to make it feel fresh for a long time. But you're not actually eating bread. Half of what you're eating is just preservatives and stuff. And that gives you a short life. It's a vicious world we live in. Vicious. Thirdly, train it. Cleanse it, feed it, train it. And there's a biblical mandate for this. First Timothy 4 verse 8. Now I want you to listen carefully to this word. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. What Paul is writing here is he's saying, look, the thing that matters in this life, that really matters is spiritual life right? Because that's eternity. But he doesn't say physical training is of no value. He says it is of some value. The correct translation is actually this, for bodily exercise profits little in comparison to spiritual exercise. He's not saying bodily body exercise doesn't matter. He's saying it matters far less than spiritual exercise. I would say the correct translation of over here is actually, if you go look at the Greek, he's actually saying for physical training is of value for a short time. Whereas spiritual exercise has value for how long? For eternity. And the point that Paul is trying to make is, yes, it's good to exercise while you have a body. So that gives me two points. Number one, control it. Number two, care for it. Number three, offer it. Offer it up to God. Use your body for God. Here's two beautiful texts I put in the New Living Translation because it just says it so nicely. Also, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You want to worship God when you leave here? Take your body and use it for him. Secondly, Romans 6.13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. God wants us to have healthy bodies. He wants us to eat well. He wants us to do the exercise, to take well care of our bodies. Why? And this is often the reason why we kick against, in, in Christian circles, we kick against exercise and sports and things like that. Because we think that that is a push towards worldliness. You've got to exercise so you can look good, man. You can have six pack and you can have pectoral muscles and calf muscles and just look incredible, look like a bomb. That's what we think. Well, that is the mindset out there in the world. The mindset out there in the world is, I'm just going to eat veggies and work out the whole day so I can be the hottest guy or girl in town. I want you to listen to the next statement very carefully so you can understand clearly what I'm promoting today. Our bodies are instruments, not ornaments. This is why I'm pushing for this. Our bodies are instruments. God wants you to use your body for Him, for His glory, to be a blessing to your family. It's not about how good you look. It's about what you can do with it. People ask me often, because I do, I prefer doing triathlons than going to the gym and pushing weights. Well, why, why do you want to do that? Well, why do you want to push a bunch of weights around? The only reason you want to do that is because you can look good. That's really the reason. You want to have big muscles and impress the girls. That's it. To be honest with you, I don't care about that. I want to know how far can I run. I, I'm interested in my performance. And I'm trying to say the same thing today. Have a healthy body. So you can have a life, a long life, a healthy life, a strong life, and you can perform and give glory to God while you live here. Because you can do that. And if you do the opposite, you're going to have a short life. I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So, so let me just reiterate the appeal of this lesson. It's not about let's get healthy so we can look good. It's about let's be healthy and strong so we can be used by God powerfully and effectively. A few points about that. A healthy body secures a long life. It doesn't secure it because you can be healthy and die tomorrow in a car accident, right? Okay, we agree on that. But you get the point I'm trying to say. The, the chances that you're going to live longer because you, eat, you live a healthy life is, is higher than if you did not take care of your body. Ecclesiastes 7.17 says, Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? I could literally, it's like God, He places me on the earth and by the way, when he placed me here, he gave me a pretty impressive body. Little, okay, you know, I think babies are ugly. So, so I, you know, I was ugly at one point. And then he says, okay, so you have this body, feed it, take care of it. And if you do take care of it with the food that I provide on the planet and you exercise it, you take care of it. You're going to live up to 80 years. So I start living, Right. I don't exercise. Why? Because my body wins. He's my master. I don't exercise. I don't do any, anything to make my body strong. The body that God gave me. And I just pump it full of nonsense. I pump it through full of medications when it's not really necessary. Sleep tablets. And I just eat whatever is on the shelf. Lo and behold, I die at 65. I've just robbed God of 15 years that he wanted to give me. 
And he wanted to use me in those 15 years. But because I was undisciplined and my body controlled me and I didn't control it, I took away 15 years of making an impact for his kingdom on this planet. This is serious. And I'm preaching to myself here because this is a battle to me. God does not find pleasure in us living unhealthy lives that cut our days short. He wants us to make full use of the time we have here to give him glory. I think it is super sad what people do to themselves. They eat whatever, thinking, not even thinking about what they're putting into God's body. They take loads of medication. They never do any active work. They just sit on the couch and they rob God. They rob God of the life that he wants his children to live. So a healthy body secures a long life. A healthy body gives the people you love value. When your body is healthy, you have energy to spend time with your kids. I see that in my life. When I feel weak and my child says, come play soccer with me. Oh, I feel like my back wants to break. Go jog with me. And I feel so weak. But if my body was healthy and strong, I'd say, yes, my boy. They want to wrestle me on the bed. Oh, when you are healthy, you can be a blessing to the people you love, not a burden. Now, I'm not critiquing when we struggle with our health. I'm just saying there's benefit for your family members when you take care of your body. It's easier on them if you take care of your body. I mean, go look at 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4. Let's talk about marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4 says your body doesn't just belong to you. It belongs to your spouse as well. So maybe I don't want to take care of my body for me, but I, I can take care of my body for my spouse. Because my body belongs to my spouse as well, the text says. So a healthy body gives the people you love value. Thirdly, a healthy body makes it easier for you to serve God. How can we do God's work at our best effort if we feel weak and sluggish the whole time? How can you? How can you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to I do something for God, but oh, this body. Ugh. I ate 62 burgers last night. Can't get up. You've just, you've just robbed God of the service you could have given him. Some people let go of their bodies, pump it full of nonsense because they've given up on life. But don't forget what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. Paul is in a position where he says, you know what, I, I, would, rather, you know what, I would rather die and be with Jesus. He says that, right? I'd rather end this body so I can be with Jesus. I'd rather go now. Jesus, just plug me out. I just want to go. But then he says, but for the sake of the church, I want to stay. For the sake of the kingdom, I want to stay. The only reason that Paul wanted to continue living in this tent was so that he could give God glory and make a difference in the world. That's the only, re that's the only valuable reason why you can still have a body is so you can give glory to God and so you can love the people in your life. So, you're, so, so, so the physical body has spiritual implications. It's got familial implications. And it's got kingdom implications. It's not as insignificant as we seem to think it is. And look at this text in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. John writes to Gaius over there and he says, Dear friend, he says, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. You see, and honestly, this is my prayer for us this morning. And I want to ask you, this is... How's your body doing? 
I am not critiquing injury. I'm not critiquing weakness. I'm giving us a perspective on scripture that we have a, a profound responsibility towards the bodies God has given us. And we've got to invest in this thing. We've got to invest in this, this piece of flesh. So I'm going to give you seven points to close off with. Seven things. If you want to write them down, you can write them down. Seven things that you can go home and focus on that will help you have a healthy body. This is seven series of sermons that I can go look at, that I can preach for seven weeks. I can fill them with scriptures, but here's the main points. The first thing is faith. Work on your faith. Secondly, family. Have a healthy family life that will be good for your body. What destroys your body is conflict and war with people you love. Thirdly, food. Put good food into your body. Make the effort. This is the, the trouble in America. This thing that I spoke about two weeks ago about convenience. Convenience is a killer, unfortunately. Fourthly, fitness. If you can get into some type of exercise. And when I say exercise, maybe you can only walk 10 feet a day. D just do it. It's rather than just sitting. Try. Or maybe you have a body that's capable of taking a jog or riding a bicycle. Then do it. Do something at your level. Detox. Keep the body clean. Drink water. God's life-giving liquid. It's good for us. Sleep. Sleep well. Make time for sleep. Make sure you get enough. It's going to aid your body. And lastly, stress management. And I can, you know, I can throw scriptures out at all of these. But that last one is extremely important. Don't let stress take over your body. It will kill your body. It will kill your body. These things are vital to our health. Vital, vital, vital. You cannot reach your full potential for God or for the success of your life without a healthy body. Your lifestyle can prevent disease. And I believe, and the clever guys are increasingly starting to say this, you can reverse disease by your lifestyle. I heard someone say this week, there's sick care and there is health care. Do you, do you know the difference? Wait until you're sick and then you start doing healthy stuff. Or you can just be healthy and you avoid getting sick. I think God wants us to do the latter. It's easy standing here saying these things, but you know the battle is real. And I want us to, after we've sung the closing song, we'll pray specifically about this. That God helps us, especially where we live, the weather plays a role, the, 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 the food that's available to us. And the cold weather makes you not want to do anything. It, it's so hard. What we have to fight against this, this body, wage war against it and make it our slave. We're going to pray about that after we've sung the closing song. Thanks, guys. You can come forward. Please stand and we sing the closing song. Mm-mm. <clears throat>